I'm sick of it. I'm sick of that. I'm sick of this. Of what? Health. Health. I'm sick of health. Sick of health. Hello. Welcome back to Sick of Health. We are season three, episode three, uh, and joined as usual by Dr. David Wright and Rob Littlewood. How are we doing, chaps? Very good. All good. Thank you, Joe. All good. Nice, nice. I feel like that, that intro feels very well rehearsed now. It feels like <laughs> the same tempo and words every single time. Maybe I'll change it up next time. We'll see. Yeah. We always wait to see who's going to go first between me and David. And now <laughs> I feel like we've subconsciously got it down. I just leave yeah, David I think to. So. I think I always say David first, for whatever reason. Oh, then maybe that's it. You two do. Uh, there is a pause where you two are like, who's on? Who's going to go? Who's going to go? Is it me? Anyway, we don't like talking about that stuff. We've got much more important scientific stuff to talk about. And before we talk about today's topic, there was one thing we um, posted about on our Instagram account this week, which, first of all, if you don't follow the Instagram account, it is top quality content. So get on there. Yes. Yeah. At Sick of Health. Um, but there was an update to, so I don't know if you remember, Rob, we did that episode on dementia and Alzheimer's a little while yeah. back. I think it was second series. Yeah, um, I think the episode was called Had a Name But Forgot It, which looking back seems less appropriate. But anyway, <laughs> um, Never. But there was, we talked about in that episode, we talked about basically how there's no treatment for dementia or Alzheimer's. And we talked about one drug in particular called aduca- aducanumab, which we at the time had recently failed its phase three clinical trial. Um, and that's why we were doing the episode. And then recently, they basically went away and they looked at the data again. And then they came back and said, oh, actually, in higher doses, it looks like it does work. And then they submitted it to the FDA, who are like the American version of NICE in the UK. So they kind of approve all the drugs for use. What's and NICE, they- sorry? Not David. quite the, the same version as NICE. Oh, uh, it's, the not, same, it's the equivalent version of the EMA, the European sorry, Medical... Mate. Uh, association so they basically decide whether to approve drugs or not nice decide whether a drug after approval is worth using in the uk if it's cost of benefit ratio is right thank you that's good clarification yeah Yeah. (laughs) um but basically the news on monday was that the fda did approve this previously this drug that we thought had failed which is kind of nuts i don't know i don't know other any other examples of that there probably is but i don't know them um, but it's basically, it's amazing news for dementia and Alzheimer's in general, because as we were saying, there's zero treatment targets the underlying causes rather than just the symptoms. So like, do you use the cure word, David? Maybe not, but. It- no, well, they don't actually, so it reduces the plaque buildup, but they don't have too much kind of clinical endpoints and seeing whether it improves memory loss and things like that there's a little bit of data showing it but not too much so it's, mm. it's the first thing that could potentially go towards a cure or actually reversing the the disease uh, progress but it's not hasn't quite shown that yet mm. it's pretty it's, huge though oh yeah. huge yeah. huge and i hadn't because i know in that podcast episode maybe i should have done this in that podcast episode we talked about the share like biogen's shares and the effect it had on it would be interesting to see how they're um shares have affected maybe we'll we'll post an update that on that on uh, instagram just to, to see what the effect was but it's interesting what you're saying david because it's true the they seem to have got approval based on the because we talked about this before the hypothesis for 
Alzheimer's at the moment is that amyloid plaque hypothesis. Do you vaguely remember that, Rob? Pass. <laughs> nice. nice. Well, you know, you can always go back and re-listen to the episode. Yeah. If you need to. I do. It, I do it frequently. Um, but that's the hypothesis that treatments so far have been based on. We talked about in the episode how now we're not sure if the, how if that hypothesis is the be all and end all. It's such a complicated disease, and this data is showing that yes, this drug is effective at reducing these plaques, but it doesn't necessarily show that reducing those plaques increases cognitive ability or kind of decreases Alzheimer's, I guess. Um, so that's what people are still kind of discussing and debating. The FDA has approved it. They obviously think it's good enough, but it'll be interesting to now see what the EMA say and then afterwards, nice, think of it. Um, so we'll, we'll keep an eye on that and keep it for the future. But you're right, Rob, it's huge. It's huge because we yeah. just had nothing, and it's it's a massive problem. Um, but an interesting one. Nice to be able to pick up on some stuff we've uh, discussed in an episode and see how it's yeah, moving forward. Cool. Um, and actually, that's a nice segue because we're picking this topic. We're picking up in the middle of an event that's happening. So the topic we're going to discuss today, Rob, I think you'll be a okay. fan. Is All concussion. Right. Oh, that's a yeah, good one. Nice yeah. work, guys. <laughs> Which I think when we were talking about stuff, is it one you suggested? I feel like it was. Pass. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair. Well, basically, we're doing concussion. One, because it's just a big issue right now, and it's in the news quite a lot, especially to do with sport. And then right now, there is an inquiry into concussion, concussion in sport going on from the, uh, it's a good name, Digital Culture, Media and Sports Committee. So it's I have actually heard the DCMS. Of... Oh, there yes, go. there you go. Nice <laughs> yeah. acronyms. Um, so, they're, yeah, they're in the middle. I think they started like March 9th. They've done like two sessions in Parliament um, giving with people giving evidence from various different sports. I think there's, there's rugby, there's football, there's ice hockey. There's maybe, is it bobsled or skeleton, something like that. Um, and it's, they're looking specifically at kind of the long or the links between sport and long-term brain injury because there's been stuff in the news lately, especially yeah. rugby, American football, uh, football um, that is definitely suggesting there are some links between the mm. two of them, um, which is kind of scary. But before we dive into kind of why, what they're looking at, why they're looking at it, should we do a little um, scientific what is concussion from uh, Dr. David? Let's go, David. Round it up. Let's do it. Yeah. So it was quite hard to actually find clear information on this. because Joe and I researched it for a little bit, and it seems like there's still a lot of unknowns surrounding what it actually is. But um, it's basically a mild, uh, it's a general term for mild traumatic brain injury. And how that actually manifests is quite different in different people and the things driving it isn't fully known. So I think that's partly because the head is such a complex and the brain is such a complex organ that it's, it's very tricky to kind of get to the bottom of this. But basically the brain is kind of floating inside your skull surrounded by cerebral spinal fluid. And so if you hit your head very hard, then it kind of gets a whiplash against within your skull so it can either hit it or you can get shear forces 
move in within your head too, which can cause some damage. And particularly it seems that the brainstem, which is the bit that connects your spinal cord to your head has a large part in this. So if you're, if you get an angular movement in particular, then it causes um, the brain to twist against the brainstem causing damage and the brainstem controls a lot of different processes like breathing, but also consciousness. So that's why you might get a lack of, uh, you lose consciousness when you suffer from concussion. Um, but the, yeah, the actual kind of damage and what's happening is quite unknown. Some people think that you get um, what's called ionic disturbances. So the way your brain fires is via action potentials. So whenever you think of anything, it's kind of one neuron communicating to another by these electrical communications or action potentials. And they are triggered by ions like sodium ions and potassium ions and calcium ions going in and out of all your neurons. And that causes an electric current to fire through. And so you might get damage to them and that causes a change in signaling, which can lead to some of the symptoms and effects of concussion. Nice. Yeah, I, it was, I mean, David looked at it more than I did, but it, it, you're definitely right. Things, it's kind of tricky to find out exactly what's going on. And they talk about, some people talk about like bruising the brain, which is like one type, isn't it? So when you're saying it can hit the skull or whatever, mm -hmm. you can almost bruise in the same sense of if it was on your body, you break blood vessels and it bruises the surface of the brain. But I think the key ones are like you were saying there, when it has those sheer forces and it like stretches or even tears the axons, that's when it has the kind of the wonky, the real wonky effects. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's all kinds of things. So like, yeah, like you said, the kind of bruising, so there's changes to blood vessels and inflammation, but also the kind of direct effects on the neurons themselves. Mm. Any, you got any questions, Rob? You ever, yeah. you ever had a concussion? Uh, I've had a couple. Start I with think the question. You, I think you might have been there for one or two of them. Um, definitely. Uh, but so that's interesting on the brainstem thing. I didn't know that was the reason, and that obviously connects with the consciousness part but my experience of concussion I, there's one story which is a, which is a good one um did you guys ever play the fainting game at school no you crouch down your hands and knees uh -huh. and, then, and then you breathe in and out um oh. for like 45 oh, seconds yeah, yeah, stand yeah, up yeah. where you're lightheaded yeah, yeah. and then your <laughs> mate cuts the oxygen out in your stomach and you just out you go oh, so no, there was a bit, i think it might have been just before you joined the school actually joe but it was like there was a craze of people doing that and i was doing that and i started showing these two guys and um, his sister had her match on the floor. And so I was supposed to fall back. Lo and behold, he was like, oh, did it work? And he lets go of me and looks around. And I obviously don't remember this. And I fell straight forward. And I remember waking up and his dog was licking my face. And I smashed my head like on the floor. Rest of the evening, yeah. I was just like, oh, my God. I had so many dizzy spells. Mm. And, um, yeah, had like quite bad concussion for a while. So I obviously kind of knocked myself out there through both fainting and banging my head but why then do we get these dizzy spells afterwards because that seems to be a pretty common symptom doesn't it yeah that's a tough question and i'm not too sure so i mean yeah the the typical symptoms are the loss of consciousness dizziness like you said confusion nausea headaches loss of balance ringing in your ears all these different kinds yeah. of things and i think it is just due to the kind of variety of damage that you can get from different neurons or the inflammation or the vascular changes. And they will just 
lead to the different symptoms and there'll be like a time lapse between when you hit it and when all these different effects happen but it's not it's not dead clear really one more question for you why mm. can we not go to sleep while we're concussed oh, oh very good question i don't know <laughs> i have yeah <laughs> cool. we need like a neurologist for that uh, just, david yeah. you can say pass like rob does <laughs> 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 okay well those those are ones I'll, I'll take away with That's, me yeah again no, we, can, we can do the old um unanswered questions over social media we can go nice. away and look at them and give you the answer because yeah that's a good one why can't we sleep when we're concussed interesting yeah making a note so then, oh go on go on so then it takes me on to i mean the sport element is a really interesting one and yeah. i agree with you it's quite a terrifying topic because I think Concussion, the film, I haven't watched it, but I get the gist of it. Then yeah. Obviously, like you explained, David, with the shaking the brain in the skull and then shaking the brain in the helmet probably exacerbates that. And also they don't have the below the neck rules that we have in rugby over here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That was pretty bad PR. But now it's coming to the fore in rugby and they're kind of relating it to motor neuron disease, aren't they? It's making for pretty difficult reading. So... Yeah, I'm just interested to hear kind of why? what the impacts might be was, and, and why. Yeah. Well, that's that's good because we're gonna we're gonna tell you that hopefully. But it's good that because <laughs> we were looking at like okay, so this 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 culture digital sport committee are looking at this. And it's interesting to look at because they're looking at I think it's five things at the moment, and the fact that concussions in there means it must be a pretty big topic because the other things they're looking at are like. Um, broadcasting effectiveness 5g um the 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 future of festivals the economy of music downloads so it's like they 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 can look at anything i mean i guess it's it is in the title as cumbersome as their title is it does tell you what they do but there's some big topics and like obviously concussion is a huge concussion in sports specifically must be a huge issue if they're looking at it and like you say rob certain things in the past like decade i guess it's been becoming more and more of an issue and certainly american football is almost where they maybe started noticing it or it started picking up as an issue first and like you say that film kind of dictates it and there's a few like the stats for american football are definitely the worst i got one here that says the uh, in american football brain injuries account for 65 to 90 percent 95 percent of all fatalities in american football which is a bit of a jump but wow and then in terms of other sports like an obvious another obvious one's boxing 87 percent of professional boxers have all sustained brain injury which is huge yeah um and then i think i've got that on here five percent of football players like soccer football players um, I've had brain injuries as well. That's thought to be to, to do with heading. But overall, 10% of all contact sport athletes sustain concussions yearly, which is pretty nuts. 10% yearly. So it's mm. obviously a big issue and they're picking up on it. And I think there's a bit of evidence, actual scientific evidence as well about it, isn't it, David? Yeah, that repeated concussion is seems to be the kind of key here because once you've had one concussion, you're it's thought to be three to five times more likely to have another concussion. And so the situation just starts snowballing. And then once you've had repeated ones, there's new evidence coming out, kind of trying to work out why this is, why it gets worse and worse. 
and it's still very in its uh, infancy all this work but some recent work on mice have shown that uh, you have a lymphatic system within your brain which it wasn't believed that there was uh, one in there for a while love a mice and a rat test don't we oh yeah <laughs> like every single the... episode is like there's recent tests on mice yeah it's little... sorry yeah, they're, david they're ahead Time. of the game uh, so basically it's thought that repeated knocks to the head damages the lymphatic system and prevents it so it's there to kind of drain away all the inflammation and uh, clear up the surrounding tissue and that just gets damaged in the kind of physically um, I think one of the reports described it as kind of like a kink in the hose almost stopping the, the drainage working properly and then you just get um, it develops more and more so you can't it can't heal as well in between each concussion and that's thought to kind of drive that increased risk you get from ah, um, that was going to be one of my questions because i know that it gets easier to get concussed mm -hmm. the more you do it in the same way that breaking a bone gets easier or to roll an ankle it gets easier to roll an ankle you know that's just exactly and um yeah george north i mean yeah. what's he had like five concussions in the space of something that's like two years and he basically got told he had to have a a load of time out and just really scary. Like every time he goes out there, you just don't know what's going to happen. And also, I mean, I'm not a Wales fan, but also like he, you just worry about what's the long-term damage. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's, it's getting clearer and clearer. Like you were saying that it is leading to long-term damage to Parkinson's dementia and things like that. And mm. I mean, even a single concussion has been shown to increase your chances of getting long-term neurological problems but it certainly seems to be that it's the repetitive nature that you get in sports which really gives that increased risk yeah i i bet that, that that's actually more common than than you'd think like going out there and getting it again because i think that it's only something that's really getting paid proper attention to now mm -hmm. so i'm so sure that you know you would get a concussion playing sport one weekend and then you go back to school the next week and you play that sport after school and it's probably quite susceptible to another one. I reckon that kind yeah. of thing happens, it's, you know? It's one of the things, because like you said earlier, Rob, you're way more likely to get another one once you've had a first one. And I, again, they don't really know the science of that. They don't know necessarily know why. Because if you're thinking about what we talked about earlier, physiologically, if you're stretching, if you tear an axon, that's not repair. As far as they're aware, you can't, that doesn't repair. You can't repair that. So it's interesting to see kind of, it would be really interesting to find out what's going on in the recovery process and equally interesting to see what comes out of this committee's inquiry. Um, yeah. It's quite hard to kind of see that thing because a lot of these changes, like you said, are on such a small level when it's on individual axons or the ionic changes there. They're not kind of big structural changes a lot of the time. So it's, it's very hard to tell what kind of damage is being done and when it starts escalating. That's true. Cause you can have, you can get people can have CT scans or whatever. And often it doesn't show anything. Does yeah, it? exactly. Really? Mm. So it's really hard. And I guess, I mean, we've kind of gone through impact there and touched on diagnosis, diagnosis and I guess education about it. It's like what you were saying there, Rob, in terms of you might go back to sport, you might go back to sport without knowing you've had a concussion. 
I think that's that's one of the areas where sport has made progress. Yeah. Everyone's hyper aware of it now, especially yeah. in things like rugby. And they've got the HIA test where they do all those kind of, uh, what's it, what does it stand for? Head incident injury, assessment. Head injury, injury assessment. assessment. Yeah. Um, where they'll go through it with you on the pitch to see if you should stay on or come off. And then they'll do more thorough investigations. They also I, now go on. I definitely think that's like last two years. It's been a huge change, hasn't it? huge huge and then and then diagnosis wise they're trialing in premiership rugby they're trialing a saliva test for concussions which would be really cool and again it's in its infancy but the uh, initial results showed like a 95 percent accuracy for it which is pretty good obviously and it's like because before that they were just talking about blood tests trying to do it by blood test which is obviously harder um, whereas if you can just take a swab of saliva and find out if they've got, if they're concussed. Um, or they could just take Joy thingy to every game and she can just <laughs> smell the concussions. You probably want to catch it before it starts getting to the Joy sniffing <laughs> level. <laughs> yeah, good, fair play. Um, but yeah, it's interesting. And but I guess that they're hyper aware of, of the concussion and increasing diagnosis will help with that but there's still a huge gray area in terms of treatment and recovery, I guess. That's just such a brain problem, isn't it? It's such a neurological, like, mm-hmm. it's just, like David said earlier, it's such a complicated part of the body. Like, I guess the, the research into it needs to be that much more advanced. Like you guys mentioned at the beginning, we're so behind on dementia. And this one thing is a huge breakthrough, even though it's not really a breakthrough. And yeah, I suppose yeah, the same yeah. applies here. Mm. Yeah, um, and it's probably pretty hard to treat bruising on the brain compared to the rest of the body because that mm. everything would be invasive, wouldn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not like you can rub your arnica on your skull no. and it'll <laughs> <laughs> with the bruising. Um, but there's not, there's not really, a, there's no actual treatment as we'd understand it, is there, David? It's just a rest, but don't rest too much. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there's nothing out there at the moment. There's people are looking into new treatment options. So one company is looking at um, blocking a process. So when you get um, hit and concussion, then you get a stress response in the brain, which is thought to prevent new proteins being produced. And that starts inhibiting new memory formation and starts giving some of those long-term symptoms. So they've found a treatment that um, will potentially block that process. So allow it to carry on and you keep having new memories formed, but it's very experimental and off uh, a little ways off treatment. Yeah. yeah. And I guess given in anything, when, you, when there's no treatment options, you're looking at, it's similar with dementia, I guess. They look at all the ways to try and avoid it. When you don't have a treatment, prevention's what you look at. And that is what this committee or this inquiry is looking at. It's how do you reduce the incidence of concussion or definitely at least repeated concussions. Um, That's kind of the scary bit from the inquiry, what people were talking about, because it could change. I mean, it's not going to be a dramatic change straight away, but if you're thinking about preventing concussion in contact sport, it's tricky, right? And if you're thinking about, okay, football, it all happens in heading. They were talking about, oh, okay, well, do you take heading out of football? Can you imagine, yeah. can you imagine football without heading? Yeah, I just think that's weird. Immediately. Mm. Yeah, completely. <laughs> I 
I would be interested to see how the figures compare in football. I just think that's such a strange one. I know, I suppose the difference with football is to box, similar to boxing, you're often repeatedly heading the ball. Mm-hmm. So I get how you might gradually wear it down. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't, I struggle to see how you could have one. I mean, no one's booting the ball that hard, are they? And the ball's not not that hard to have one major injury, is it? No, well, that's the point. I mean, previously, so lots of the 1966 England World Cup winning team have got dementia developed and those balls were much heavier because it was made of a different leather and absorbed moisture. Wow. So the head that's an interesting fact. was more impactful, but still, it's still pretty high in more modern footballers. Obviously, com- the complete modern game is too recent to kind of get true stats on it. But yeah. it does seem like even from the 80s that a lot of ex-pros are getting um, unreasonably high levels of dementia. And it is just, like you said, it's not a big hit, but it's just doing it every single day in training during the matches. You're doing it thousands of times a week. It, all these kind of mini yeah. subclinical traumas are adding up. And that's so scary, I guess, for players who are younger than the 80s, where there's obviously such a long lead on getting the results from these kinds of trials that if they then find an explicit correlation there that any player after that is probably like shit exactly incoming you know so that's one of the things i think they're looking at this for this committee right joe that they're thinking of should we cut out aspects of this game at an earlier age so maybe ban heading (laughs) until you reach a certain age and 16 18 so you kind of minimize that injury early on in your development well, this mm. is this is the because if you're yeah exactly like okay we're not going to be able to cut heading out of football or contact out of rugby completely because it would be ridiculous. Yeah. But what can we do? Because one of the one of the big questions is the effects kind of in younger people. Like you know I said that kind of mortality stat for American football. Well, concussion or head injury is the number one cause of fatality in people under eighteen. So for and obviously at that stage your brain can be more susceptible to things or to injury or you the earlier you get it the more chance you have of repeat concussions so one of the things they're definitely looking at is in younger people what can they do but even that's kind of like if okay you're not allowed to head the ball until you're you're 18 or something and no one's the game's going to change the professional Mm. game's going to change because if no one's heading the ball until they're 18 no one's going to know how to head like it is a skill yeah, yeah. I said it used to be the only thing in football I was good at. I was heading the ball. <laughs> and then in rugby, it would obviously be okay, you don't play contact until you're a certain age. But mm. there's a lot to be said for tackling technique and skill to yeah. reduce concussion. And if you don't, if you don't learn, grow up learning how to tackle, suddenly you start tackling when everyone's huge and crushing you mm. i don't know personally i disagree with that one but it's an int- it's interesting right how do you prevent contact in a contact sport yeah and some of those That's... other sports you said in that committee was the team gb ice hockey and bobsleighing i mean you you just can't do it with that you'd have to ban the sport altogether because i mean bobsleigh <laughs> is not even part of it it's just when an accident happens and but they do happen quite regularly so it could be huge. yeah and that's why I think it would be so in, it's going to be so interesting to see what they say. But I reckon, well, let's see, Rob, what do you reckon if you were given the, given the, the knowledge about concussion you had or now have, 
would you choose not to do contact sport? I'm very much in the the football one's a difficult one because mm-hmm. you have to learn how to header. I one yeah. of my distinct memories is being like eight years old and having to head it and I was terrified yeah. I remember I shied away from the ball like 10 times and they were like just head it and eventually I did it and I got such a rush out of it that it is a long-term memory for me um, that, that rush was your brain your axons tearing in your brain <laughs> yeah exactly it was uh, that and and sh- wet shaving for the first time got a proper adrenaline rush there weirdly <laughs> those um, are your two growing up high. <laughs> amazing yeah um, but I remember Will Greenwood, um, the ex-England centre, um, commented on this and he said, like, removing tackling is is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm kind of in that, you know, that, that side of the argument. Um, but I know that professional clubs are getting better at basically doing no contact throughout the week, but it's hard to do that mm-hmm. when you're a young age because then you don't know if anyone's a good enough tackler to go pro. Yeah, um, Exactly. So it's a really difficult one, and with football, you know, you can't you can't remove that. But then, nah. what do you make the ball softer, and does that have a big impact? It's a tough one, but I wouldn't want to eradicate it completely at all. I think it, it's mm-hmm. a huge part of the game. But NFL have a real problem on their hands, don't they? Because there's no way around that. You know, yeah. they just kind of. But I can't see them doing about it. But there's but no you, way around the look, head contact. If there. you look, yeah, if you look at rugby and what they've done with rule changes in terms of not being able to like where you can tackle people how strict they are with the tackle rules Mm. whereas american football as far as i'm aware anyway haven't done much on that front because it's such a part of the game it's just like there's no tackle technique in american football is that you just fling yourself at each other and hope for the best that's why i think it's important to tackle at a young age because technique is super important yeah. yeah, you're asking quite a lot though, because if you're just doing minor adjustments to the game of rugby, and then you have to wait 20, 30 years to see if there's yeah. a drop in dementia rate yeah. or that's had any effect, then you you possibly have willingly given lots of people dementia because you know oh, there's God. a risk, but you you haven't been brave enough to take a big stance or, on it. You've just taken a little one. You're waiting 20 years to prove that you've made massive progress. Yeah. Yeah but you don't know. Well, that is like what you're talking about with the football. Huge catch. Football's way softer now. Maybe that solved it, but we won't know for right. another 20 years. Well, yeah, it's not thought, because, I mean, it, the ball changed significantly since the 60s to the 80s, and it, oh, right, it okay. looks like there is an effect there. But, yeah, certainly it probably is better, but I don't think it's enough. It doesn't seem like it's enough so far. No. Because yeah, in rugby, the um, you had um, Steve Thompson and Co. Are suing World Rugby, yeah, or RFU, for because they've been told they've got early onset dementia. Steve Thompson can't remember the World Cup final. How terrible! Really, did so not read that. Yeah, so he they, but they're not they're not arguing to remove contact. Their point was all about the education, which we touched on earlier. They didn't understand the ramifications and the implications of multiple concussions. Yeah. Whereas that is much better now. So again, maybe the fact that we have better diagnosis, better education, people drop out of sport early because of concussion, maybe that will mean the kind of the the long term effects will be less in twenty years. But as David very rightly said, it's so hard to know. So it'd be really interesting to see what the committee said, right? Should we finish should we kind of tie up on that what we think the uh 
Big question, but what we think the committee might come out with. David? I think that they won't be brave enough, and maybe brave's not the right word, but willing to change the sport fundamentally, especially football and rugby, because there's so much money riding on it. So many people are passionately invested. It's kind of a large part of our cultural identity that I think they might try and do those little changes, like you were saying, potentially like change the age limits of things, but without anything too wholesale. Rob, what do you think? So Yeah, I agree with David. I think that it, they're probably going to focus on the education element of it and maybe like pairing back um, contacts, uh, exposure to like head contacts where they can. Mm-hmm. I just think, I think there needs to be more of an emphasis on a young, on a young age and there just needs to be more research done into, into the impacts that those things at that age can have down the line. Mm-hmm. Well, that's um, what I'm getting that, everyone on board with it. That's what I think they'll, one of the things they'll do is try to hold sport accountable and make them put money into research and maybe targeting that research at youth. And also mm-hmm. the other thing we haven't mentioned is the difference between men and women, which has become apparent recently. And there's a lot more research that needs oh. to be done there because apparently, I think I'm right in saying, David, women are more susceptible yeah. to concussion than men. Um, yeah, yeah, they suffer twice as many in the same sports and they get quite a lot of uh, different symptoms as well. So, I mean, it's, it all falls under the large umbrella of kind of sexist, sexism within medical research that most of the research is done on men <laughs> and not enough is done on women despite them. There was a book about that, wasn't there, last year? Yeah. Good read? Mm. I haven't read it, <laughs> heard about it. Sounds cool. <laughs> um, but yeah, I think, so if I was to say things, I'd say they, they'll... they'll put the emphasis on sport and uh, sporting bodies to fund research into effects on youth and effects in women. That's uh, two of the things I think will come out of it, but uh, it'll be really interesting because it's such a, it's such a tricky one, but I think the increased awareness and education in current day sport will have a lot of benefit. Um, Yeah. Just a huge catch, isn't it? That you have to wait so long to find out if any of this stuff is working. That's it. Well, I think we'll we'll keep us. It's we're ahead of the news on this one. As me and David were saying, which uh, feels unusual, but we'll um, <laughs> when it comes out, we'll leave an update on a podcast or update via social media. So keep your eyes and ears out, and please do, please do contact us. <laughs> sick of health um, team at sickofhealth.co.uk or at sick of health on Twitter or Instagram. Because we love you, we love your comments, queries, and questions. All right. Nice. Well, we'll see you for the next episode. Cheers, lads. Sick, so sick, so sick of hell.